0: Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you that you do indeed reign. We thank you that through the work of Jesus we can enjoy that reign and rule of yours. Father, we thank you this morning for the ways that you've blessed us. In particular, we thank you for the ways that you bless us through your word. As we open your word now, Father, we pray that we would be better reflective of the image of Christ when we're done than when we started. We pray in his name, the name above all names. Amen. I have my handy rock paperweight here to keep things from blowing away. I was on a Zoom call with my brother the other day and we were talking about various things and one of the things we wound up talking about was when, was helicopter rides. And I don't know if you've ever had a helicopter ride, anybody, helicopter rides out there? Yeah. So one day when I was in the military, we had to take a helicopter ride out to a remote missile site because something had gone awry. No, there was not a nuclear explosion, something slightly less dramatic than that. So we got in this helicopter. It was me, I was a young lieutenant at the time. There was a lieutenant colonel, because you know you gotta send a lieutenant colonel if something important has happened. And so he was there. And there was another person with us, in addition to the pilot, who was also a young lieutenant like me. Well, of course, the lieutenant colonel got in the front seat next to the pilot, and I was in the back seat with the other person that was going along the way. And as we're going along, we've got our headsets on so we can hear all that's transpiring. And one of the things that happened was we were about 10 minutes out from the base. This was in Cheyenne, Wyoming. We we're about 10 minutes out, and the Lieutenant Colonel, who was a missile operator, not a pilot, a missile operator, said to the young Lieutenant flying the, air, uh, the helicopter, hey, I've always wanted to fly a helicopter. And the young lieutenant, to my chagrin and to the shock and surprise of the person seated next to me, said, well, OK, Colonel, if you want to do that, take the stick. And so he did and then began this helicopter ride from Gehenna. If you know your Bible, you know where that place is. And so we are bouncing up and down, going side to side. I'm checking my strap in my seat belt, making sure I'm fully strapped in. I'm hunt- hunting around for a parachute, but we we're only about 200 feet off the ground. So a parachute wouldn't have done any good anyway. But I'm desperate for this, and so we're bouncing around like this, and finally, you know, we're getting so far off course that the young lieutenant says, Oh, so I think I need to take back the stick now, the controls now, if you let me do that. And so he did, and we landed safely at our destination. Once we did that, and we got out of the helicopter, no, I did not fall to my knees and kiss the ground, but I felt like it. Once we got out of the helicopter and started to do what we were going to do, I took the young lieutenant pilot aside, and I said, What in the world? were you thinking? And he said, I guess I wasn't. And I said, I guess you weren't. So I chose to go in a truck on the way back to the base and not go back in the helicopter with the wannabe lieutenant colonel pilot who I knew was gonna try and do that again. Well, helicopters are really interesting flying machines. And I don't know if you know this about helicopters, but there's a thing on a helicopter called the main rotor retaining nut. People in the military call this the Jesus nut. Because if this particular mechanical piece fails, it is all over for the helicopter. The thing falls out of the sky. A helicopter that has lost its main rotor because the main rotor retaining nut, the Jesus nut, fails, has all the flying characteristics of a lead safe. It'd be something like this. Now, I don't know if you've realized this, But when you were younger and something fell on the floor, you immediately bent over to pick it up. Now when something falls on the floor, I think to myself, do I really need that thing right now? Can it wait till later? It can wait till later. Well, there is in Christianity, whether you know it or not, there is in Christianity an actual Jesus nut. It revolves around the person and work and life of Jesus Christ. And if this thing fails or is found to be false, the whole Christian endeavor falls apart. The Jesus nut about Jesus is the resurrection, the event that we celebrate today. Christianity, folks, rises or falls on the veracity of this event that we celebrate on Easter Sunday morning, the resurrection. So I'm gonna read a passage for you this morning from the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12. I'm going to read down through verse 20. If you have a Bible app on your phone, you can follow along with me as I read. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? I guess my paperweight didn't work as well as I thought it would. Thanks. Welcome. Verse 13. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people most to be pitied. But if Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, he has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. we need to understand that the resurrection is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. In this passage from the Apostle Paul, he makes sure that we understand that if the resurrection is not true, there are consequences that he unpacks in this passage. The first one is both the apostolic preaching and the Corinthians face is useless. And the word useless here means empty. I don't know if you've been to You know, back in the olden days, pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, when we used to go to the stores and to the malls and they had their Christmas displays up and they always put Christmas trees up and they always had these little empty packages underneath the Christmas tree. They looked really, really nice, but they were, in fact, empty. There was nothing in them. Which, of course, is what empty means. Well, the same is true about Christianity, about faith in Jesus if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, it is empty. Not only that, but Paul says here in verse 15, If the resurrection is not true, then Paul and his companions, they are liars. I don't know if you remember the bicycle uh, Tour de France phenomenon, uh, Lance Armstrong. He had a record number of titles for winning the Tour de France. And yet he was caught later doping to give himself an artificial advantage over those others who were racing. But he, we first heard about these allegations of doping, he kept denying it and denying it and denying it, up to as late as June 2012, he said, "'I have never doped. I have competed as an endurance athlete for 25 years with no spike in performance, passed more than 500 drug tests and never failed one. And yet, it turned out that he was lying all along. We've been cruising through the book of First John and we've heard John talk about this tendency that people have to say things that are not true and we heard John say liar, liar, pants on fire. And as egregious as the lies that Lance Armstrong might have told or the lies that you and I might have told along the way. As egregious as as those things are, Paul says if the resurrection is false, then this is the hugest lie of all time. Then he is the liar, liar, pants on fire. And Paul says here, if the resurrection is not true, all of humanity stands condemned because of their sins, in verse 17. He uh, says that, Nothing's changed. I don't know if you have, like I have, enjoyed the hymn along the way. I'm still here, folks. It's a crack in the sidewalk, Steve. Let's get that taken care of, shall we? I don't know if you have, along the way, enjoyed the hymn, Amazing Grace, right? You know the first line. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. If the resurrection is not true, then we might as well tear Amazing Grace out of the hymnal because we're not found. We're still lost. And Paul says that those believers who have fallen asleep and often in the New Testament, often in the Bible, fallen asleep is a euphemism for having passed away, having died. Paul says that All those people who have fallen asleep, they're lost too. Every funeral, and we've done a few recently, every funeral is a time of heartache. But we go to the funerals of believers with hope in our hearts and an anticipation of a grand reunion with them if we share their faith in Christ. I've said before at funerals, Christian funerals, it's not bye, it's not goodbye. It is, see you later, alligator, after a while, crocodile. But Paul says, if the resurrection is not true, then we won't see them later, alligator. If Jesus has not been raised, we should grieve as people who have no hope, not people who have actual hope. And Paul says here, if the resurrection is not true, Christians are the most deserving people of pity on the planet oftentimes christians give up creature comforts and other things i've met people who have gone to really difficult places to minister on behalf of christ and they've given up sitting at home on the couch watching netflix or watching amazon prime or watching whatever they've given up the stroll down the street to sweet granada to pick up their candy for easter they've given all that stuff up to endure persecution and suffering and that stuff Some of that stuff, which we call persecution and suffering, is really just not much. There are people in parts of the world who are actually enduring torture and prison because they have named the name of Jesus. But Paul says here, if the resurrection is not true, then man, we should pity those people. We should feel sorry for them because they have really bought into something that is absolutely meaningless. I don't know if, as a parent or a grandparent, you ever asked your children or your grandchildren this question. I did it once or twice and then I finally caught on. The question was, you know, after the kids had done something that they weren't supposed to do and they got flat caught in it and you called them out on it, you said to them, do you think I'm stupid? You know what the answer was in their brains, right? Even if they didn't say it out loud, they're saying it with their eyes. They were saying it with a little grin that they couldn't suppress. Yes, dad, we do think you're stupid. Or I don't know if you saw the Forrest Gump movie back years ago, Tom Hanks was in it, and he was always being asked, are you stupid? And I don't know if you remember his response from his mama. Stupid is as stupid does. Well, if the resurrection is not real, folks, Christians are to be pitied because we are just plain stupid. And Paul says this, then, as kind of a conclusion The bottom line from all this is that the resurrection is not optional or elective in the life of a believer it's at the core it is the jesus nut and if the resurrection fails the whole thing falls down that's why it's important to understand that there are actual no kidding objectively evaluative evidence to support the reality of the resurrection what we would call in a court of law mark goodman defense exhibits. The first one, the body wasn't there anymore. Pastor Laura read the account from the Gospel of John. Every one of the Gospel writers underscores this idea that they went to the tomb and the body wasn't there anymore. Mark chapter 16, verses 1-8. through Not only was the body not there, but the disciples didn't have the resources to orchestrate a kind of coup d'etat against the Roman authorities and somehow secret the body out of the tomb. The, the The body was being guarded by Roman guards. Whose responsibility was this? If you lose a prisoner in your charge, you forfeit your own life. The body wasn't there. All anybody had to do to debunk the resurrection was produce the body. The entire weight of the Jewish religion on this thing and they could not debunk it why not because the disciples were particularly clever or brave. no they weren't brave you remember during the course of the the trials and the crucifixion of jesus almost all the disciples except john were nowhere to be found hidden away even peter in the courtyard uh, while one of the trials was going on was challenged because of his accent hey, aren't you one of those Galilean people? Weren't you with this Jesus guy? So, oh, no, 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 not me, not me, not me, three times. Those are the disciples, scared, hiding, no resources whatsoever. So they didn't have the capacity to spirit the body away. And what I appreciate about this particular thing is that skeptics over the years have, who have taken at face value and explored purposefully the evidence surrounding the resurrection, they've come away with saying, yeah, you know what, that that happened. A couple of them, a person by the name of Frank Morrison who wrote a book called, Who Moved the Stone? And a guy named Lee Strobel who wrote the book, Case for Christ, came away from those encounters with the evidence having gone from being unbelievers and skeptics who set out to disprove the resurrection to becoming believers and advocates for the Christian faith because they understood the reality of this event that we celebrate today. The resurrection is real. Not only that, but the Apostle Paul says, hey, in this passage in Corinthians, hey, if you don't believe me, there are hundreds of eyewitnesses out there. You can go and you can talk to them. Ask them. Not only me, but they also saw the resurrected Jesus. Paul says in the case of this resurrection, go ask the witnesses and they'll tell you day and time there were a bunch of them wandering around who had had this experience of this interaction with this real life no kidding understanding that Jesus had indeed risen from the grave but there's another piece of evidence that I appreciate a lot and that's the evidence of people's lives that are changed as a result of an encounter with the resurrected Christ people like well Peter Right. We just talked about him who was inconsistent and the great betrayer at the moment of trial. No, 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 no. I don't know this guy, Jesus. I don't even know what you're talking about. And I'm out of here. Peter becomes the rock, really the rock upon which God builds his church for Christ. Or the Apostle Paul, whose words we just read. Right. You know his story. He was an accessory to murder. He got commissions from the Jewish leaders of the day and time to go hunt down Christians so that they could be executed. At the stoning of what we call the first Christian martyr, a young man named Stephen, guess who was there being the coat check guy? The Apostle Paul. And yet, later we see him radically changed. This change is phenomenal. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. People who are new in Christ are called a new creature, something the world has not seen before. This change is radical. This change is for eternity. That's why we get to say to our loved ones who have passed away in Christ, see you later, alligator. John says in chapter 6, verse 39, he's quoting Jesus. Jesus is going to raise them up at the last day. And this change, by the way, is also for goodness. Matthew chapter five verse 16 says that this change is so that people can see those things that we do on behalf of Christ and not accumulate accolades for ourselves, but to praise our Father, who is in heaven. Now I'm not naive standing here this morning. Other things can be found that people will make radical sacrifice for. But this change is not like a suicide bomber. This change that Jesus makes in our lives, this change is for selflessness. This change is for us to be able to act on the good on behalf of other people in their best interests. This is not day-to-day preoccupation with me, myself, and I, our three most favorite people. This is every day waking up and saying, Lord, I want to give you this day. I want to give it to you. I want you to work in me and through me and in spite of me to accomplish your purposes. Change. So, if this thing is genuinely real, we need to get in on it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Wow. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed, he is. The tomb is empty. Over the last couple of weeks, we've heard about more tragic shootings. Boulder, Colorado, King Super. You can't even go to the grocery store anymore without wondering if somebody's going to take aim at you. Atlanta. School shootings. There have been way too many school shootings. One school shooting is too many. I was living in Colorado in 1999 when the Columbine shooting took place. Well, 23 years ago, March 24th, 1998 in Jonesboro, Arkansas was yet another school shooting. In the middle of it, a 32 year old mother and teacher whose name was Shannon Wright stepped in front of a bullet aimed at one of her students, a little girl named Emma. Shannon, the teacher, died because she took the bullet. Jesus, on the cross, took the fatal bullet of sin for us. The resurrection proves that his work was effective, not in vain, effective for us, effective for you, effective for me. All it takes now is for us to respond to this ultimate reality of the most momentous event in human history. Today is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day. Today is can be should be man if any other day can be and should be the day of salvation. Today is the day. To make your something, to make your salvation mean something. Now, Pastor Laura and I haven't taken a road trip except to Topeka on Fridays to go to a certain establishment and eat really good chicken. We haven't taken a road trip since last July. But this morning, I want to take all of us on just a little road trip. In the book of Romans, there's this path of verses that people have traced out, and it's sometimes referred to as the Roman road. So listen, beautiful day. Sun is shining. And we're at church. And some of us here have been at churches for a very, very, very long time. Dipping our toes in religious life. Or even maybe being one of those robust, really energetic church volunteers. And there were some great ones this morning who helped put all this up today. But not everybody's taking this trip down the Roman road. And so I want to encourage you to just listen to it this morning. Because the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I've unpacked this before you before. This three-letter word all is really complicated in its meaning. All means all. All means me. All means you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 6, 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a day to make sure that that transaction, that trip down the Roman road, has been a reality for us. What a day. And then the day's glory wouldn't be in the sunshine. It wouldn't be in the opportunity to sit near each other on a front lawn and see people we haven't seen up close in a long time. Those, those, though those things are glorious, no. The glory would be in the reality of personal connection with Jesus based on the confidence that his word gives us that this resurrection thing is true. The cross we display is an empty one. My prayer for you this morning is, you'll take this little trip down the Roman road. You will find these truths to be real, and you will embrace them with all your heart, and soul, and mind, and strength. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you today for this message from your word, and my prayer, Lord, personally, is that whatever I've said or done that got in the way of your word, that you just erase that from our minds. But that the truth of the reality of the resurrection would become clear to us, clear to the point of action, Lord. Not clear to the point of observation and not clear to the point of, yeah, it sounds good. Not clear to the point of, well, it's Easter. He's got to talk about that stuff. But clear to the point of us personally ensuring that we have indeed Declared Jesus as our Lord based on our apprehending of that truth in our lives. Today's the day, Lord. What a glorious day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together this morning.